Thanks for listening, Unplugged Army. I'm Louis Unga, General Manager at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. We're proud to present Doug Franz Unplugged. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Four minutes. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Everything you need to know in sports that affects Maricopa County, the state of Arizona, and the world, you get in four minutes. We start things off in North Scottsdale. Waste Management Phoenix Open got some bad news. Number four, Victor Hovland, and number five ranked Xander Shoffley in the world have withdrawn from the tournament after playing in California. The Monday qualifier, however, was crazy. Over 100 golfers fighting for three spots at Pinnacle. Well, four guys tied for the three spots. So they played a 19th hole, and they all got a par. They played a 20th hole, and then Jacob Bridgman drove it into the trees. The other three guys all got a par. They advance, and they're playing on Thursday. Now, you think you had a chance to get in? The three guys? Patton Kizire is a two-time PGA winner with 225 starts. He had to qualify. And Jim Knowles has had 43 PGA starts. The only newbie, one guy will start for the first time, Nicolo Galetti. Congratulations, Nicolo. Practice round is today, Pro-Am tomorrow. NFL news, it was opening night. It used to be called Media Day. It used to be Tuesday afternoon, and it used to be small. Now it's enormous, and hardly anybody in the media actually attend. It's a bunch of nut jobs. This, however, you do get some good questions. Kyle Shanahan trying to act like the practice facility, practice field fiasco is not a big deal. It is what it is. We'll be all right. It's the field we got. We'll be all right. We're good. No, we're not. We're not going to completely change our schedule and do something crazy. Like we'll deal with what we got, and it, we're, we're good. More on that later, because that was a bunch of crap right there from Kyle Shanahan. They're fired up about it. Andy Reid, he's impressed with the other team's quarterback. Although, of course, you know he loves Mahomes. Talking about Perry's own Brock Purdy. Um, he's a heck of a football player, and he does everything really well. And um, and so that presents a, an issue. He can throw the ball. He can run the ball. He's smart. He, you know, he can handle pressure. All those things. He does a great job. With. Kickoff Sunday at 4:30. Other NFL news: The Eagles have been named as a team to play for the first regular season game in Brazil. Philadelphia will start the season in Brazil, but no word as who their opponent will be. Two weeks, seven games, road trip over. Suns are home tonight downtown to take on the Milwaukee Bucks in a huge matchup of former battlers for the championship. The game is tonight. Tip-off is late. It's at 8 o'clock. I know you're not going to believe me. The NBA will play on a glass court. Yes, I said that. Glass. Now, not an actual game. All of the events of All-Star Saturday, the three-point contest, dunk contest, they're going to be where the Colts play at Lucas Oil Stadium, and the court will be made of glass filled with LED lighting to put on a show during the game. Yes, I'm worried about that. (laughs) This is crazy. 11 years, $288 million from the Royals. 
for their young player, Bobby Witt Jr., but he can opt out anytime he wants after year seven. And finally, in December, in an attempt to prepare a Michigan hospital for a dangerous situation, it had an active shooter drill. Just one catch about the active shooter drill. They literally told no one. It was unannounced. Only two staff members knew about it. Since then, the state has paid $13 million in total payouts. Why? Because the hospital was a psychiatric hospital for children. None of the nurses or staff knew it was an unannounced shooter drill. The kids ran around in an absolute panic, and the state realized that probably wasn't such a good idea. Jackpot Unplugged Army, I feel like a true commander-in-chief to be able to give you such an unprecedented savings. Go to Unplugged at Whirlwind.com and check out the new membership club from Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass, Whirlwind Plus. Here's what you get. You sign up for a tee time anytime between now and five days from now, and you can save anywhere from a minimum of 30% up to 60% off plus 15% off at Civlik, the restaurant, and another 15% off in the pro shop. I'm telling you, you walk into the pro shop, get bowls, a shirt, and a hat. You walk over for happy hour with your wife. You might pay for your monthly membership right then and there. It's $34 a month, cancel anytime. Or if you want to save even more, because that equals out to a little more than $400, you can get it for only $299 a year. Whirlwind Plus at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Go to unpluggedatwhirlwind.com and feel the wind. I'm Janelle, General Manager of Bell's Nashville Kitchen, a.k.a. The Whiskey Wizard. Bell's isn't your typical country bar with mediocre bar food. We are a scratch kitchen with chef-inspired dishes in the only place you can get the best sandwich in all of Arizona, our Nashville hot chicken sandwich. Now, the drinks. I spend days infusing our own whiskey creations. Come in for Whiskey Wednesdays to learn about and drink our famous whiskey selection. We have live music most days and all weekend as part of our honky-tonk brunch. Bell's Nashville Kitchen on Main Street in Old Town Scottsdale. You found home, down home. Oh yeah, I could hear Jeff Weir production in the back yell. Let's, let's rock and roll. By the way, there's a member of the Unplugged Army today in Town Hall Tuesday that their only message was Jeff Weir production, and that's all they wrote. That's kind of cool. And then Izzy says, let's go. All right, then. I got no stories. Let's get to it. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Whatever it is that you've decided to make Doug Franz unplugged a part of your day, my family greatly appreciates it. My name is Doug Franz, and you have found the only podcast and TV show in the world totally devoted to the coverage of the four major sports franchises of one great American city that drops on your phone and your TV every weekday morning. We also cover ASU, U of A, GCU, the Rattlers, the Rising, and the Merc. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. All right. Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Hey, Whirlwind, it's your job now in one year to get me ready to try out for the Waste Management Phoenix Open. (laughs) Truth be told, I won't even play in the Pro-Am. Well, let's back up a minute. Truth be told, I'll never be invited to play in the Pro-Am because I will never be a big enough pro or a big enough am 
to uh, be allowed in. Am is in amateur or am is in I am. I'm not an A. I'm not good enough. We know that. Now, you have to pay a bunch of money just to get into one of the qualifiers just to then get into the qualifier. So they have the Monday qualifier yesterday with 100 people that qualified in other places. And then out of 100 people, four guys advance or four guys advance to a playoff for three spots. One of the guys has had over 200 PGA starts and he's there at a Monday qualifier. <laughs> Can you imagine with me? Yeah, I'm hoping I break 100. Um the guy's winning score, I think it was seven under. I might be wrong. In, yeah, it was eight under. It was an eight under 64. They shot an eight under 64 through 18 holes. Eight under 64. I consider it good, not great, but good when I'm under 54 in the back nine. <laughs> I, I just can't imagine these guys playing with me. Oh, can you guys help me find my ball? Where are we at? Man, I would drive those poor guys crazy. They're, they're in a flow. They're trying to get going. Oh, man. I just, I feel bad this Jacob Bridgman plays eight under par, then gets a par on the 19th hole, and then hits his tee shot into the trees on the 20th hole. Could you, uh, that letdown, the letdown of all letdowns. You know, you've probably played. One of the best rounds of golf in your entire life. You're forced into a 19th hole. None of these guys mess up on the 19th hole. And on hole number 20, you put your tee shot into the uh, trees. And then since it's a best of, since it's three guys now for three spots, in a sense, all they have to do is just not shank it. Like imagine how much pressure is off of them. Okay, he's in the trees. All I have to do is I don't shank it. And I'm going to win. I'm going to advance. I don't have to do anything special. No pressure. Just don't have a shank. And that's, that's all you have to do. Oh, man. So it stinks for him. But that's, uh, I just think that's so cool that it's an open, that any of us can really get into it if we really want to embarrass ourselves. And no, I'm not really going to try that. I will never. Um, the Doug and Wolf show was never big enough for me to ever get invited to play in the program. I am shocked that Wolf has never been asked. Wolf is not a good golfer, but he's not a disaster as a golfer. And when you combine how popular the show was with the fact of how popular he actually is nationally every preseason. When the NFL Network carries a couple games and he's doing the uh, uh, play-by-play, I mean, the world just starts going crazy for his nut job voice that he's got. I don't know if I've ever told you this about Wolf. I, I will never forget him saying to me on air one time that the reason why his voice is so screwed up is he took an elbow to the throat while he was playing at West Virginia and said he had a normal voice until then. And I'm like, okay, fine. You know, I mean, who, how are you going to disagree with that? You know, like, all right, you know, I don't know any better. I don't know what you used to sound like. Okay. I, I, I still don't know to this day if he was pulling my leg, but a, uh, I, I would say about five years later after he said that, we had his brother Craig on the show. His brother Craig sounds exactly like him. <laughs> and I'm thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute. All the Wolfleys sound like this. You're crazy. And it still makes me laugh to this day that he thinks it's because he got hit in the throat. When his whole family sounds exactly like that, they talk like that, their diction is like that, 
their enunciation is like that. I mean, every way, in every way you look at how they talk, it's the exact same way, which always has, uh, has, has made me laugh. Um, nothing thrilling happened for, uh, for me yesterday. I, uh, I, was, I was here from about 5.15 until uh, about, uh, about 1 o'clock, I think, 12.45, 1. And then, uh, and then I left, uh, went home. Uh, it's, it's Mondays, which are terrible for me because that's when Jennifer sings with the Phoenix Symphony on Monday night. So then I just sit there. Uh, slept till about three in the afternoon and then got back to work, got ready for today's show, watched uh, a little bit of basketball and watched the, the, I don't like the NFL Network's coverage of, of opening night. It's just, I realize why they're doing it. They host it in a way for non-football fans, really. And, and I want the football information out of it. Now, I have been to... I think three, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, I've been to three media days. This was before they turned into opening night. And I was at one. The first year of the old show was a year, I believe that was the year that the Patriots were 18-0 and coming to Glendale. I think was year one of the show. So we, I mean, I mean, we had, uh, we had just started doing the show. Like we were like a month into the, to us doing the show together and then boom, we're sitting there. I think at the convention center is where we were doing the show, which is where radio row was. And, uh, Matthew Stafford came by and talked to us for a long time. We had a hilarious conversation with the old, I don't know if, if, if Izzy knows him, but the old, uh, Chicago bear, do you know, Richard Dent, Izzy? Name sounds familiar. Okay, okay. <laughs> no. He is an old school Hall of Fame defensive lineman. And uh, Wolf claims that he only lost one fight in his NFL career. Now, he rarely, he only got one on field fight during a game. But preseason and or training camp, he got in fights a lot. And in those days, going all the way back to the Chicago Cardinals, they were the St. Louis Cardinals, but they would travel up to Cheese Country. And the Chiefs were there, the St. Louis Cardinals were there, the Chicago Bears were there, the Packers were there, the Vikings were there, and they all practiced within like a 45-minute drive from each other. So almost always, they would go scrimmage somebody once or twice at training camp. And in those days, training camp, they used to play six preseason games, and they used to train for like four weeks before uh, the first preseason game. Now you have three preseason games and you can't start practice until two weeks before your first game and you have to wait five days before you hit. <laughs> In those days, it was two-a-days and you were hitting on day one. Here you go. Well, Wolf claims he got into a fight with Richard Dent and got absolutely destroyed. Absolutely destroyed. Now, here's what was so funny about it. When Yoda, our producer, he, he knew what he was doing. Yoda was a former ESPN radio producer. He was running around getting all of these huge guests that were walking around the facility, and, uh, and it, was, it was awesome. He really knew how to, to, how to work the room. So he says, I can get Richard Dent. And I'm like, well, yeah, of course. And Wolf's like, I, I, don't, I don't know if that's a good idea. <laughs> I'm like, wait, why? Well, I... He uh, and he starts him hauling around, and then as he's like not telling us what's going on, Richard Dent sits down, <laughs> and then I'm like, "Okay, here we go." 
And before Richard puts on his headset, Wolf whispers into the microphone, so I hear it. I got in a big fight with him in training camp. What? I got in a big fight with him in training camp. <laughs> and I don't know if you can understand me when you're in your car. I still couldn't understand what he was saying. But what he was mumbling through, through gritted teeth was, I got in a big fight with him in training camp. I didn't understand what he said until like we're on air. Somehow it dawns on you when you're on air what he said. And I just, so you know me. I mean, anybody who's listened to the old show, listened to this show, you know I'm kind of a blunt dude. So, hey, Richard, how you doing? How you doing? In town for the suit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, do you remember getting in a fight with Wolf? <laughs> Wolf, duck, leaf. And he's like, Wolf is going crazy. Wolf is so fired up at me for doing that. And Richard goes, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And then I didn't realize it was so serious that I probably shouldn't have said that. Maybe one of these days I'll kind of learn from cues. And uh, he looks at Wolf, and I mean front to front, eye to eye, two 50-year-old men at the time, and he goes, we good, Wolf? (laughs) And Wolf says, yeah, yeah. And I actually think, I'm not going to say intimidated. Wolf wasn't intimidated. But he was kind of like, this is the only guy that's ever whooped me in a fight. Uh, I don't know where we stand. And he was, he was cautious. And then when Richard Dent said, we good, he, he said, yeah. And then they started talking about the fight. And then they both started laughing about it. And it was a fantastic interview. Absolutely fantastic. I don't know why I'm on this roll. The only time, um, uh, let's see, do I, ha- do I still have that? The only time that... Um, Wolf ever, like, totally geeked out. Yeah, here it is. The only time Wolf ever totally geeked out is he was a huge Buffalo Sabres fan, and there was one guy for the Sabres that used to always get in a fight with Max Domi's dad. So those of you that are Coyotes fans, you remember, well, Max Domi's dad was Ty Domi, one of the best, maybe I should just say a good player that was a great fighter. And... We found out that, gosh, who was in concert? Justin Bieber. Justin Bieber was in concert in Glendale, and he's wearing a Max Domi jersey, and Ty and Max are there, and he's, and he's all fired up. I, I mean, Ty Domi is all fired up, and, uh, and I start ripping Ty Domi off air for going to a Justin Bieber concert. And Wolf was like, no, we can't, we can't rip Ty Domi. No, no, no. And he's like getting all nervous. The Coyotes are listening. They get Ty Domi on the show. So Ty Domi calls in and Wolf says, were you really at a Justin Bieber concert? And, oh, will you do me a favor, Izzy, and turn my 360 on? And, uh, and then uh, all of a sudden, uh, Max Domi, and I mean, all we had done is said hi to him for a second, and Wolf asks, were you really dancing at the Justin Bieber concert? What are you guys going to do about it? <laughs> I mean, it was like Wolf got challenged to a fight on the air. And Wolf was totally geeking out to talk to Ty Domi. I mean, he's going, I mean, you could hear it in his voice. And I have never heard that sight. And it was the only time, 15 years, that, that Wolf actually went fanboy during an interview. What are you guys going to do about it? That's still a classic. Remember when I told you I didn't have any stories? Yeah. I meant to get to this, uh, get to the world a lot sooner today. And I did not. Sound credits today. It's uh, all KC Chiefs. Dot, or, uh, YouTube page for KC Chiefs. YouTube page for uh, San Francisco 49ers. 
where we and uh, and I think I couldn't find it on the 49ers.com for Brock Purdy, but I did find it on CBS Sports uh, YouTube page. Did I miss anybody that you can think of, Izzy or Jeff? Uh, for the Rangers, we have uh, we oh, got yeah. that from Sportsnet. Sportsnet, thank you. Um, I I want to. We're gonna try something new today. Uh, feel free on next week's Town Hall Tuesday to rip me if you think it's a bad idea. But instead of me just yapping for seven minutes during versus Vegas, if games are close and I embarrass myself or it turns out to be fun and I do well, I figure we could start playing some highlights during versus Vegas. So we're gonna try that today and uh, and see how that goes. And you know what, Izzy? Not today, not today. But we might actually get to the point where we try all of Versus Vegas in front of the green screen. That that might be kind of weird, though, because I'll be holding my notebook and a microphone at the same time. That would be a a little weird. Unless we just lay a laugh down and nobody minds if they see the court. Maybe we'll just do that. Do we want to try that today, Jeff Weir Production? Are you, you guys okay with just trying it? I can't hear you. Uh, today yeah okay that's a big no yeah <laughs> i was like a solid tomorrow yeah we'll try tomorrow we'll try tomorrow it might be obscure tomorrow though because my games are i won't tell you which one i'm picking but i'm going with the dayton flyers game and i'm going with uh the old miss game uh, as old miss south carolina today so uh because of that it might it might we might only choose games where it's really easy to get highlights from yeah um so maybe not tomorrow but yeah we'll do it next time it's easy to to uh, find highlights how about how nice is he is today <laughs> i'm not gonna say no because i don't want to be seen as somebody that's not willing to try it but please don't uh, yeah right. all of that was in the word today yeah i get you i i get you all right let's roll doug's big one doug's big one today it's small, but it's got to be talked about. Do you care about the National Labor Relations Board? I'm sure you don't. But something happened yesterday that is absolutely enormous when it comes to law. And I just want to one more time blast the NCAA for its arrogance and its ignorance. And I mean every single college president, including Dr. Crow, and everybody who, col- who kept Mark Emmert, that idiotic fool, gravy training fool as the president for as long as they did, which allowed us to get to where we are in sports. Just so you don't think I'm a hypocrite, I want you to know where I have stood for about 400 years until the last six or so. I was always against paying the student athlete. And the reason why is I think a college scholarship is enough of a payment. I think you're representing your school. And if you're there to be a professional athlete, go be a pro. Go play in other leagues and be a pro. Go do that. But this is the standard to be in college, and therefore that's why you're there. I did change my opinion about five to seven years ago when the spending got to be absolutely ridiculous. When you started having 17-person assistant coaching staffs, when I started to see the opulence that's going on and the amount of adults who are gravy training on the money of kids, As I saw that take place more and more and more, and almost every state's highest paid employee is a football or basketball coach, I thought, you know what, we do have a problem. And the ridiculous legal decisions that were continually made by guys that are supposedly lawyers for the NCAA who didn't have a clue what was going on. And you've heard me say this line before. I don't care whether you're a conservative, whether you're Republican, whether you're liberal, whether you're Democrat. I don't care. 
Do you realize the Supreme Court of the United States of America, one of the most divided groups of people in the world, voted nine to nothing that the NCAA is made up of idiots? Yes, I don't think they actually used the word idiot, but that's what happened. They lost a court case nine to nothing because of their arrogance and ignorance at the United States Supreme Court level. The only thing in the history of this recent court that they've ever agreed on was that the NCAA doesn't have any idea what they're doing. Now, we get to this point. The National Labor Relations Board has made the determination. Now, it's one regional director up in the north. There's a school in New Hampshire, an Ivy League school called Dartmouth. The Ivy League is all private schools. They're not public whatsoever. And the ruling was made that, yes, the Dartmouth basketball team are employees. Now, that's in a sense where this ends right now. They're labeled as employees, not by Dartmouth, but by the National Labor Relations Board. Now that they are labeled as employees, they are free to join a union. You could have college basketball players be a part of a union. Therefore, they would have their practice schedules collectively bargained. Therefore, they would be able to negotiate what type of pay they receive on the road, what type of meal benefits they receive on the road. Everything becomes negotiable if they are a union. Of course, Dartmouth can um, appeal this decision to the actual big board at D.C. of the National Labor Relations Board. But that's where we are right now where college basketball players can unionize. I'm not saying that's good or whether I'm for it or against it. My main point and my number one opinion today on Doug's big one is the ignorance of every president in college sports that allowed us to get to this point. Their ignorance, their greed, their lack of knowledge of what they were getting into, and their blind loyalty to one of their own, former Washington president Mark Emmert, led us here. Any kind of foresight, any kind of actual brains, I'm sorry to be so angry about this, like you're getting up this morning, you'd like to be in a good mood, and you got some guy yelling at you. I realize that's not always appropriate. But ignorance from people that pretend to be so much smarter than the rest of us, arrogance from these people who haven't a clue what these kids go through, is, I don't know how that doesn't get you as upset as it gets me. That's what these people have done. A long time ago, if they weren't so money-grubbing types of people that then would have realized, wait a minute, we're not doing this right by the kids. Let's keep this as amateurs. If we're going to call them amateurs, then let's not be doing the things that we are doing the way we're spending money. Let's actually distribute the money. Let's do more for the players as we go with this money. Instead of having an arms race of who has the best locker room, why don't we go with health care for life for some of the athletes? Why don't we say once you get a degree, you now have, maybe it's, you now have an academic scholarship the rest of your life. Maybe we say your children get an academic scholarship. Maybe we, we actually do things with all of this money. I'm still saying go out and sell as many tickets as you can. I am saying sell as much advertising as you can. Do everything you can with, and get as much money as you can 
for your athletic department. Yes, yes, and yes. However, funnel that money back, right back into the player's future. And you didn't do it. You wanted to spend all of your money on lawyers. You wanted to spend all of your money fighting players in a courtroom. You deserve to lose. You deserve this decision. I'm very worried about the entire future of college sports. When you look at the amount of good college coaches that are dying to take position coach jobs in the NFL, rumors are going crazy about how hard Chip Kelly is trying to get a job in the NFL, knowing he's not going to get a head coaching job. Here is a guy that's the head coach of a now Big Ten football team. And he wants out as quickly as he can get out because of the never-ending chasing of NIL money. You're no longer a guy that gets to know a player as an 18-year-old. Promise his mom and dad, I'm going to help this young man, this boy really, become a man. You're not going to see him grow up from 18 to 22 or 23 years old, get his degree, and on the slim chance he, does, he even makes the NFL, great. But when he more than likely doesn't, he now has a backbone for success for the rest of his life, and you have a relationship like no other, like coach and young man, and later coach and full-on adult. It's a powerful relationship. That day is now gone. It's gone because every player and every parent believes their kid is going pro, and you're either a coach that helped him get there or you got in the way of him getting there. And everyone believes I am the reason why this team is successful, so I should get this much in NIL money. And if I don't get it from you in year one, then I'm going to argue and leave. And either you're going to pay me, or you don't pay me and I cause problems for the program, because I'm always complaining, and you've always got to put another fire out due to my dad, my mom, my somebody, or me, or... You don't pay me, and I choose, I'm out of here. And now you're spending all of your time recruiting the players you've already recruited. I understand why coaches are trying to get out of college football. I see it. But make no mistake, as the world of college sports begins to change, continues to change, and will dramatically change in the future, never forget, it's not the greedy player's fault, it's not the greedy parent's fault, and it's not the coach's fault. It's 100% the fault of the people who were supposed to be in charge of the sport to do what's right by the sport in the beginning. And they were the first ones that said, show me the money. And that's why we're here. All right, coming up next. We'll talk football, but now we're going Super Bowl. Lots of stuff to talk about from opening day. But there are some tidbits that are interesting. And I would say the number one thing that interested me from last night is why wouldn't you just shoot it down? Why wouldn't you just say that's not happening? You danced every time someone has asked you over the last two months. That's next. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. We're the home of the Rattlers and the Sugar Skulls. This is WTSMTV.com. So in the Franz household, we have an air conditioning unit, an air scrubber, a reverse osmosis system, and a tankless water heater all purchased from Parker & Sons. Why? Well, number one, because we trust them. 
We got to know Parker and Sons about six months into living in Phoenix, and they've showed up on time, got it right the first time, and treated us great every single time. So why would we go anywhere else? The other thing I like is some of the products have even saved us money. The reverse osmosis system gives us bottle quality water from a tap. And then the tankless water heater, I can't even imagine how much money it has saved us. We never run out of hot water, even on holidays when people are coming in to visit. And it doesn't heat up water and then just let it sit in a tank. It only heats it up as we use it. So we only use the electricity when we need it. And our air scrubber takes allergens and bacteria out of the air, which has just been a dream for my wife and my youngest daughter, who have some pretty heavy allergies. Call 6022-REPAIR to learn about these products. That's 602, the number two, that R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker & Sons. Burrito Express started with my father about... 25 years ago, he got laid off and decided that he needed to do something to provide for his family. My brother and I were older teens, 17, 18 year old. I'm going to do a trial out of my house. So literally we decided we're going to start out of his house. So we delivered uh, menus in a square mile area, literally started delivering burritos out of our home in Mesa, Arizona. And after about a month, he said, let's do this. Went and found his first location. And believe it or not, that's how it started. We started with one location back in 1995. Now we're where we are now. Ah. Sorry, I'm a little um, confused for a second, but uh, I am from a town, the official city where I'm from is called Bellbrook. It is a Dayton suburb, but Dayton and Cincinnati every day grows a little bit closer together, so I'm kind of like a wannabe Cincinnatian. And uh, I don't know what's going on, but Cincinnati is now trending. And as soon as I saw that Cincinnati is trending, I'm like, what's going on? And it's just, I can't really tell. (laughs) I I think it has a lot to do with uh, the commissioner uh, and some of the commissioner's comments of actually throwing Cincinnati out there as an NHL uh, Cincinnati might become an expansion franchise. Um, that's crazy to me. I, I love Cincinnati, but I don't think it's a big enough city to have a third major league franchise when you've got the Reds and Bengals and the Reds haven't done well financially in a long time. Then on top of that, you have a city like Kansas City and a city like Salt Lake City that have two gorgeous arenas just sitting there. And you and like out of those two great arenas, you only have the jazz in it, and nobody plays in the Kansas City arena. Uh, I, I love Cincinnati. I'd love for them to have a hockey team, and I say no way is that actually going to happen. Let's do, a, let's do opening night from last night and everything that happened. Um, and I, I tell you what, this is uh, – this is a little uh, strange, but why don't we just go straight down the page? Uh, Kelsey won all the way down to Purdy two, and then we'll skip over, obviously, the Rangers and go to uh, Adam Schefter after that, if you could, uh, Izzy. The, uh, the way this works at opening night now, they are on the field at the stadium, and then everybody, all the big-name people have booths, but you have to go. Players are fined heavily if you don't partake, and then therefore that's the famous Marshawn Lynch, I'm just here so I don't get fined situation, is that's you have to do this no matter what, or the, the fines are just exorbitant because they want the players out there being a part of this. And you can imagine 
Travis Kelsey, almost every other question was about Taylor Swift. And it's an opportunity where a lot of non-football media are the headliners. Now, this event has changed a lot. It used to be crazy. There used to be this guy. I don't know my Mexican TV station, sorry. But there used to be this guy that brought a puppet. And he would ask questions with his puppet. But he wasn't a ventriloquist. But he would change his voice. And he'd just start talking like that. And he'd, start to, and he'd move the puppet's mouth. And then he would scold the player if the player looked at him while answering the question and not looked at the puppet. How in the world so thought that was funny? Like, I thought it was hilarious that they thought it was funny. I did not understand that at all. Like, I'm laughing at you, sir. You, you are, a, like, the king of all doofy. I, I, I don't understand why you think this is funny, and therefore, it's hilarious that you think you're funny or that anybody is entertained by you whatsoever. But things like that would go on and very little football, and now the NFL just embraced it, just said, fine, let's just go for it. And it's almost all non-traditional media who are there. I tried to pull out the things that I thought were reasonably football-related. And here is Travis Kelsey beginning to talk about what this Super Bowl truly means to him and where this ranks on like a Super Bowl tier system. Um, you know, there's a certain uh, tier of teams in the NFL that have gone back-to-back, and, you know, it's uh – I've been on a mission ever since I won my first Super Bowl. Uh, we we made it back to to the Super Bowl the year after 2019. Obviously, lost to the uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, that's motivated me to get back to this point right here. So um, you'll hear me say this a lot, but I want this one more than I've ever wanted a, a Super Bowl in my life. And it's because uh, the type of team we have, the people that we have in this thing, but also because that tier of uh, teams that have done it twice have uh, gone down in history as uh, some of the greats. The reason why I like that one so much is just simply because to hear him look at the history of it, I, I do think that is pretty cool. I want to win to be able to say I'm a teammate of guys in a group that have won back-to-back Super Bowls. It feels like it is much harder to win back-to-back Super Bowls in well, in football, I guess it's hard to win a Super Bowl in football. It's harder to win back-to-back Super Bowls than it is back-to-back World Series, back-to-back NHL. But, you know, when you look at, especially like the Edmonton Oilers, the New York Islanders, obviously the New York Yankees. Now, in today's modern system of Major League Baseball, I'm not so sure. With so many playoff tiers and how, how minuscule the regular season means now, I would have to say that it's probably harder to win a back-to-back World Series because you've got to get through so many layers. I mean, it used to be you build a team like the New York Yankees. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but pre-1969, it was you, you, don't, you don't have any uh, divisional playoffs. And now, then they expand it, and you have divisional playoffs moving forward. Then you get to the uh, uh, then you moved, I shouldn't say divisional playoffs, you had league playoffs. Then you moved to a divisional playoff. If you, like, if I did a butcher job on that, if that didn't make any sense. 
It used to be there were eight teams in the American League, eight teams in the National League. You win the league, you go to the World Series, that's it. There was no playoff. It was game 154. They didn't play 162. You played 154 games. After game 154, who's in first place? You are great. You go to the World Series. That was it. In 69, they split into divisions. So then you would win your division, and then you'd play at first a best three out of five series to advance to the World Series. Then in the 90s, they switched to a one-team wild card format. And it's advanced now to where it's kind of crazy, where you've got seven teams in each league in the playoffs. It used to be you had eight teams total. So I would bet now I kind of talked myself into that. It's harder to win back-to-back World Series. Here is the question that I don't know why you, you hear Travis Kelsey just being so vague. I, I, don't, I don't understand this. Unless it's one reason. And I'll tell you the one reason I can think of in just a second. But here's his question of, since this means so much to you, possibly winning back-to-back Super Bowls, since you've got a great life going on right now, since your brother retired, supposedly, it seems like the perfect time for you to go out a winner. If you win, will this be your last game? Man, I'll tell you what, I'm always thinking about what's next. And um, that's always a question that, uh, that you get when you're later in your career and you start to fall off. So thanks for telling me that I'm not as good as I once was. Um, but I'll tell you what, it's, uh, it's something that you got to think about. And uh, I, I think I come into this, this building and these, these arenas and uh, I come in and I've, I've worked my tail off with these guys and I have so much love for this game. I, don't, I can't imagine uh, not doing this for uh, as long as I can because I know I'll miss it when, I, when it's all said and done. So I can't put a time stamp on how, how long I'll play, but um, I know I'm loving every single bit of coming into work right now. He did say, you know, I want to play as long as I possibly can. But why not just say, well, I'm definitely playing next year. Like, I'm definitely playing next year. Now, it's his career. He has every right to, to, to retire whenever he wants. The only reason why I can think of why he has been so hesitant to just say what his plan is, is if he really is retiring and he's worried that saying it would somehow change the focus of the week or now his teammates have to deal with a lot of questions during media sessions, or he's just trying to eliminate a distraction. That could be the reason why. I don't know. But I don't see why he would retire if I'm just talking about it in a football sense. As an American, it's none of my business whether he retires. But in a football sense, I don't think it makes any sense for him to retire. But if he wants out, he wants out. And I just... The only reason I can think of you wouldn't just say, well, I'm definitely playing next year, is if you don't want to take anything away from your teammates. And even Jason Kelsey has been kind of wishy-washy publicly. Uh, Privately, there are plenty of people that have said he's retiring. But publicly, he always says, you know what, I'm going to evaluate. I don't know what I'm going to do. And it does kind of sound like the Kelseys are thinking, we've got enough money And our podcast is doing so well that we can make enough money earning a living easily on our media outlets. And then obviously, if 
if Travis gets married, then he'll have a ton of money that he doesn't have to worry about with all prenups aside, of course. I, I kind of get the feeling that the Kelseys are retiring after this game. I just, I just don't know why you just wouldn't say, well, I'm definitely playing next year and I'll worry about whether I'm playing in 2025 after 2024 is over. You know, okay, fine. But he hasn't even gone there. All right, let's go to um, Pat Mahomes. I like this one a lot. I thought this was a good question. You're now entering Super Bowl four. You're not even 30 years old yet. From the time you made it to your first Super Bowl until now, how have you changed? What, what's changed about you for your fourth Super Bowl? Yeah, I think uh, the biggest is just kind of knowing what to expect of the week. Um, I've obviously grown as a quarterback and as a leader and as a person, um, but being able to have a game plan for what the Super Bowl week entails um, and prepare myself to not play the Super Bowl before the Super Bowl game um, is something that I'm hoping I can use to my advantage. You might think that that's small, but the reason why I wanted to play that for you is go back a little bit, especially if you're a Cardinals fan. Um, Ken Wisenhunt did a great job here. He really did. I, I think that Wiz is a strange guy. He is far and away, well, this kind of shows you my intelligence level, but I have never been in a room with Ken Wisenhunt that he wasn't the smartest man in the room. Okay? I mean, he was always the smartest guy in the room. And you, sometimes that's said as an insult. I don't mean that as an insult at all. He didn't try to walk around like, look at me, I'm smarter than you. It was just obvious by the way he spoke, the things he thought of, the way that he could make the complex simple and sometimes the simple complex in a way that made you think about a lot of other things you didn't think about. He was the smartest guy in the room, at least for me, okay? Yet, he was frighteningly anal. This wasn't talked about a lot. I probably shouldn't say this, but his wife would listen to sports talk radio and write down the positive and negative things that were said about Wisenhunt or the Cardinals. I have a lot of, I had, a, well, I would still like to think they're friends, but uh, at the time I had friends, a lot of them, deeply embedded throughout the Cardinals organization. Now, Ken Wisenhunt was a first-year coach when I was a first-year Phoenix talk show host. So I didn't have friends that were really close at the beginning. It took a while to build the sources and build relationships and things like that. But the things Ken Wisenhunt would worry about or try to control was crazy. I still believe to this day, I should never say he would still be the coach. I mean, this was you know 17 years ago. But if Ken Wisenhunt would have just focused on football, I believe he would have won more games. And if he would have won more games, guess what? He would still be the coach. He had three straight years of at least a six-game losing streak. I mean, it's phenomenal how bad some of Wisenhunt's teams would be after Wisenhunt got a team to the Super Bowl. Here's why I bring up Ken Wisenhunt in relationship to what Pat Mahomes just said. In the second year, I think it might have been year one, but in the second year of Ken Wisenhunt, I know it for sure, they went out east for a whole week. I think it was the year they went to the Greenbrier, uh, if I'm not mistaken, and I don't even know if I still have the uh, the Greenbrier button. I'm on the train. Because seasons are free. Number, four, number five. I have to do this. 
Where in the world is Greenbrier at? There it is. Okay, 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 okay. I guess wrong. Ooh, Greenbrier. Fancy. That is this uh, unbelievable... Oh, that's enough music. Uh, an unbelievable resort in West Virginia. And the um, Cardinals flew out... I think it was New York and D.C. They had a game against the Jets, went to the Greenbrier, which is an extreme eastern West Virginia, right near where West Virginia is actually almost part of the D.C. Metroplex. It's not really, but it's close enough. In which they went to the Greenbrier, practiced for a whole week, and then went and took on Washington. And it was a big deal because the Bidwills were known and still are known as an unbelievably cheap set of ownership group and cheap organization. And here they are actually spending money. Because imagine how expensive that is to have an entire football organization on the road for a week at a high-end resort. And then what did they do? They went 0-2 on the trip. And everybody was ripping Ken Wisenhunt and the team for doing that, for going out there, for spending that kind of money, blah, blah, blah. And he said, you know what, though? It's good for us because that's the, the two weeks off and, and not being able to handle everything well and being out there and on the road, that's what it's like in the Super Bowl when you've got it. And everyone's like, what are you talking about? But Ken Wisenhunt had, had been a part of a lot of Super Bowl teams, especially as a Steelers coach. So that was interesting for him to have said that. And people like me, admittedly, were ripping him for it. Because, like, come on. You're the Cardinals head coach. You're not going to the Super Bowl. They went to the Super Bowl. And he spoke a lot during that time in preparation for the Super Bowl of, guys, this is what you've got to go through. And his number one point, I'll never forget him talking about it a lot, is that halftime lasts about 43 minutes. He said, it's almost like you're playing two separate games. Don't worry about getting tired. Push yourself like you've never pushed yourself in a first half before. Play football, but don't buy into the hype and all the pomp and circumstance at the beginning of the game. Don't get hyped for that because then you'll be tired at the beginning of the first quarter. Rest during that time. Calm down. There's plenty of time after the anthem to get fired up. So don't get fired up during the intros. Don't get fired up during warm-ups. Calm down. Then play. And play like this is the last game you will ever play again. Every cliche, blah, blah, blah. Push, push, push. And then get it all out of your mind. We're going to take those 43 minutes and we're going to break down film. We're going to come up with a second half game plan. It's not halftime adjustments. We're not even adjusting the original game plan. We are now doing this. Get your head around what this is going to be like. And that was through his experience. So I wanted to tell you that story as it relates to the tremendous advantage that Patrick Mahomes has, in a sense, over Brock Purdy. Now, Kyle Shanahan has coached in enough Super Bowls that he can prepare the group. I believe the number is six. There are six 49ers who have played in a Super Bowl and in a Super Bowl loss to the Chiefs that they are fine in preparation. But I think that's – I just didn't want you to gloss over that point about Mahomes because it sounds simple just say, oh, he's been to a Super Bowl. No, the Super Bowl is so crazy and dramatically different than anything else that they've ever played in 
that I do believe there's a massive amount of help that you get by having experience. All right, let's go to uh, George Kittle and, and Kyle Shanahan. Back-to-back quotes from them about Purdy, and then we'll get to Purdy. But here is George Kittle when asked about when was it that you knew? What were the things Brock Purdy did in training camp, did during the regular season when he became the starter? How did he earn the group's respect? You know, Brock, what he does at a really, really high level, he shows up every single day. He's the same guy. He's very consistent. He has a routine. He's had a routine since the enti- uh, since he's been a rookie, and that's one of the most important things. And I think um, why he won the locker room over so well is I think the locker room liked him to start. Um, but then when he got his opportunity, when he first stepped into the huddle, he was confident. Uh, he was just confident in his own ability, and it just kind of raised level of confidence behind us. And so it was just, you just knew that the kid loved ball, and he loved to be out there with his teammates. And so that's why we believe in him. Let the, don't let the little things in life bother you, right? You with me? Don't let it over, overlook the little things, okay? For me... I'm deeply religious, so I've got a God and a Savior. I live in the greatest country in the world. I have healthy children, a wonderful wife, and a job. Don't let the little things get you down, right? You agree? This freaking chair pisses me off. (laughs) Why have casters that have a switch to lock and unlock if it's constantly going to keep locking? I move around like this. And then invariably, or inevitably, not invariably, inevitably, one of the casters lock for no reason. And then the whole chair spins away, and then the lock, it locks on the other caster. Doug's big one today is learn how to make a caster. Either have it lock, unlock, but at least whenever it's set, you got to be able to set it and forget it. Thank you. That was needed. That was needed today. I feel you. <laughs> Does the same thing happen in your studio? Oh, yeah, all the time, yeah. It doesn't make sense with these chairs. I, who would – the logic – I mean, that's clearly a design flaw. Somebody thinks it's a good idea. Somebody thinks you're going to put a caster on a chair, you're going to have it unlocked, and then I'm going to decide on my own as the manufacturer it now needs to lock for you. Why have a caster then? If I want a chair that doesn't move around, I'll buy a chair without a caster on it. If if I want the casters, okay, you invent a lock and unlock system. I I guess. I I look at it as if I want the wheels, then let me use the wheels. I don't need it to lock. But if somebody says, you know what, I'd like to lock it because once I get in place, I don't want it to move. Okay, that's your that's your business. But why in the world do I want a chair that I unlock that then locks while I'm sitting on it? Dumb. And it's only one wheel that locks as well. As soon as you scoot up, you're pretty much leaning exactly. one way. Exactly. Like <laughs> yes. <laughs> one of us are eventually destined to fall <laughs> on, like, on camera. <laughs> well, you know what? <laughs> I got to tell you, Izzy, I, I, I apologize now. If it's you, I'm playing that every day on Duck Frauds on Black. Hey, same over here. Okay, that's, you, fair. That's, that's, fair. that's very, very fair. I got you. I, I totally feel you on that one. All right, so that is Brock Purdy's from, from Kittle. I think that's important. You cannot lead until you earn respect. There's no such thing as a leader who doesn't have respect. Now, make sure you understand about following, and this is important too. If everybody else in your group respects somebody follows somebody and you don't i got news for you 
you're more than likely the problem. Okay, if, if nobody else has a problem following this person and you're always complaining about that guy, you're a complainer. <laughs> There's a big difference. So there is an art to following as well. And with what Kittle is saying, Purdy wasn't a complainer, didn't say things negative about Kyle Shanahan, Jimmy G, Trey Lance, or his situation, and just came into work. That's all he was fucking doing. I'm just here to work. So then the players judge you, as a quarterback at least, by your presence in the huddle. Okay? Wolf used to say this all the time on the old show, and I thought it was a really good line. When an average quarterback was your quarterback, you just listened to him because he's a quarterback. But he necessarily wasn't the leader. Sometimes, however, the average quarterback worked really hard and you were impressed. But the two times your head snapped in the huddle, like, I mean, here we go, is whenever you had the thrill of playing with an all-star, a Hall of Famer caliber person, when they got in the huddle or when the backup came in. When there was an injury and the backup quarterback ran into that huddle, man, you wanted to see, is he ready? And you would be able to tell just by the way he called the play. It's funny how many people try to act like Kyler Murray's demeanor doesn't matter. And then you stand in huddle. Now, granted, Kyler doesn't huddle. But you stand in a huddle and you listen to the quarterback. And you hear a backup quarterback come in and say, okay, red, right, uh, let's go, guys. <laughs> and he's like, his voice is cracking. You can barely hear him. He's a nervous wreck. You're thinking, oh, no. Or you get the rah-rah backup quarterback. Okay, guys, I know we're down. I know, but I can I can do this. I can do this. Here we go. And, and the guy's spending part of the time cheering himself on or building himself up. You're like, dude, I, I need to focus on the play. Just give me the play. Shut up. Give me the play. And you're not, you don't have time for this unprofessional college bull crap. You know, just give me the play, rah-rah, dude. And you can see the difference. So here's Brock Purdy. You can tell impressing George Kittle because he worked his butt off, kept his mouth shut, and was prepared when his opportunity came. That's all the guys want. They have their own job to do. Just let me know you are prepared to do yours. Here is Kyle Shanahan on where he praises Brock Purdy. I mean, that was the easiest decision ever just because of how consistent. First of all, he was that way in practice since the day we got him. Uh, he wasn't given a lot of reps. They all picked up as a wimp, but Brock was the most consistent quarterback that I've been around, and it started that way in rookie camp to OTAs to training camp, and, and that's I felt a certain way. Our players felt a certain way, but um, then when he got in because of injury and he had those seven games and went through every situation possible, playoff games, um, comebacks. Uh, he did it here. I think we went to overtime here when we were down versus the Raiders in uh, 22. But just what he did was it wasn't a fluke. It wasn't just the record. It wasn't the stats. The film showed it, and that's why we knew if he would be healthy going to the next year, uh, we had a hell of a quarterback. Little bit of revisionist to me. Jed York, the uh, chairman of the 49ers, has come out and tried to say how much Kyle Shanahan was gushing, uh, gushing about Brock Purdy very, very early on. And I, listen, I'm calling bull crap on a lot of this stuff. Number one, if you loved him this, you get credit for drafting him. You totally get credit for drafting him. But even you passed on him about seven or eight times. 
There's seven rounds, and then who knows how many times they had a, a compensatory pick that they passed on him. Okay, you had all those chances to draft him. 31 other teams had all those chances to draft him, and they didn't do it. Then you named him third-string quarterback. So as you gush and say, oh, we knew right in camp. He was this, he was this. Well, then why was he third-string coming out of camp if, he was, if it was so clear? The Seahawks had the courage to take their starting quarterback at the time, Matt Flynn, who was a free agent signed quarterback to big money. And after one training camp said, this Russell Wilson guy's better. We're starting the third round rookie. I don't care that you came over here on a big money deal and you came here to be the starting quarterback. I don't care that you got the receivers together in the offseason and tried to be a leader. This guy's better than you. They didn't do that. So I'm not buying all of their we believed in Brock Purdy right from the beginning bullcrap. Because then why didn't you move him up to the number two quarterback? Why didn't you move him up to the number one quarterback? So you guys are all full of crap when it comes to how much you believed in him. I will say it's legit that he impressed them. I totally believe that. Uh, Here is Brock Purdy, and this was an interesting question. So many people are trying to call you a system quarterback. So many people are trying to say that this is you're just a flash in the pan. How do you accept this criticism? I mean, it's part of the game. Um, you know, for myself, I focus on what I have to do every single week for every game. Um, and more than anything, I just want the respect and love for my teammates. And as long as I have that, uh, then I'm okay. You know, the, the playing quarterback in the NFL, people are going to say good things, bad things. That, that comes with it. And so if you let that get to you, obviously – it's not good, but um, for me, man, I keep one play at a time kind of mentality uh, throughout the week and throughout my life, and I just I want to play for my boys. I mean, absolutely great answer. And I, it reminded me of something Kurt Warner said in, uh, in one of the times that he was nice enough to come on the old show, in which he talked about criticism – And he just simply said, when I would get criticized as a quarterback, the first thing I would look at was simply, was it true? Don't worry about who said it. Was it true? People used to rip me for having a lot of fumbles, and I used to think it wasn't true. I used to get annoyed by it. I used to think people didn't know what they were talking about. And in the meantime, I'm one of the top five guys in fumbles. So... I started wearing a glove. I started wearing a glove on my throwing hand, and I didn't fumble anymore. So I I listened to the criticism, and I became a better quarterback. Listen to the criticism. And if it's right, if it's fair, then why not take it and improve from it? If it's not true, then look and see who said it. If somebody criticizes you and you go to someone you respect and you say, this is what someone thinks of me, and that guy says, yeah, yeah, I can see that. Okay, then change. Get better from it. If it's not true, then look and see who the person is. There have been times, especially on the old show, not as much now on Unplugged, but on the old show, man, I would get ripped. I mean, Twitter would just torch me. And at first, I handled it about as immature as you possibly can. Firing off nasty tweets, got, you know, bent out of shape, stuff like that. Doing exactly the opposite of what Kurt Warner would do. And then I learned, wait a minute, let me check and see who's saying this. And then I would scroll through the timeline of the guy that's ripping me. And oh my gosh. 
90% of the time, the guy was a jerk. It wasn't just, I don't like Doug Franz. He would rip every talk show host in the world. He would say things about terrible things about women. He would, I mean, he was just a bad human being. Uh, this isn't this isn't like about one guy. I mean, multiple people. You could just tell these are bad people. Why in the world would I care about what somebody terrible thinks as they try to drag me down? But if I clicked on the link and the guy seemed like a pretty good dude and he's just ripping me, maybe it's true. Maybe I should listen a little bit. And then you kind of say, okay, maybe he was just wrong on this one thing. And that's why it wasn't true. But maybe in general, he's a pretty good dude. I don't know. But you could kind of get the feeling for don't be afraid of the criticism and don't call the guy the hater just because he criticizes you. Kurt Warner taught me a lot when he said that. And I I can feel that from Brock Purdy. The last one with Brock really, really grabbed me of it's just questioning his story. Coming out of high school, he didn't. the guy didn't say Perry High School when he asked the question, but coming out of high school, not being heavily recruited, taking the only Division I offer you had uh, to Iowa State, and then trying to make things work while you're at Iowa State, then turning around and being Mr. Irrelevant, and then being the third-string quarterback, blah, 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 blah. How have you gotten here? Um, I mean, honestly, you know, for me, it's, it's always been about God and my life, living for him. Um, and I got drafted last. I'm playing football out of college, and um, you know I, I didn't really know what my future looked like or anything. It was all about all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna show up and, and try my hardest in trying to get drafted. Niners ended up drafting me. I got drafted last, and I was I was grateful for that. And I took that opportunity and studied the playbook, worked hard, did everything I could to make the team. Sure enough, I made the team. I became a backup, and I got an opportunity to play. So. For me, it's just been trusting God and his plan for me in my life. And it's never been, I need this. I need to be a starting quarterback. I never said that to myself. It's always been, wherever God needs me, that's how it's going to play out. So, If you are religious, then isn't that, oh, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like that when you hear that. I love how he said, it was never, I need this. Boy, have I fallen into that trap. God, if I can just have this job, God, if you could just just do this and I'll take it from there instead of praying for preparation, praying for peace, praying for, hey, you know, Father, I want I would I think this is what's right for my family. Can you put me in a position to possibly have this, but it be your will? You know, that's a prayer. It's okay to want. It's okay to say this is what I want as long as you do it under the guise of understanding that you are not the wisdom in the room. If you're not religious, however, I would like you to respect what Brock Purdy said greatly because irrelevant of your disconnect with him religiously, do you notice how he is saying it's all about something else other than him? Even if you're not religious, I think you can still become a great person and learn from that exact moment. Even though he is saying, I live for God and I'm following the path that he's put me on and not fighting against it, demanding more than what I deserve, things like that. I think for you as well as as a non-religious person, you can look at it and say, okay, what am I putting first? 
I have learned greatly in the radio business. Every time I have fought like crazy for something for me, I end up either A, pissing somebody off, or B, really having a struggle for a time with that company. And every time I have tried to do as much as I can for somebody else, oh my gosh, do I get a lot more in return. And I don't mean the cheesy, you get more when you give than you receive. I just mean workplace environment, the way other people help you, the more you're there for others. It's, it is tremendous. Now, doesn't mean I'm always good at it. Let's, I mean, let's be clear. If I was the greatest employee of all time, maybe the old job wouldn't have fired me. I mean, you do have to face the reality when you look yourself uh, in the mirror. Uh, okay, that's it for Super Bowl. One more thing football-related. Tell me if you hear the same thing I do. Adam Schefter, ESPN Insider, is a weekly guest on um, the Pat McAfee Show. And he was asked about Ben Johnson. Johnson is the offensive coordinator for the Detroit Lions, and he has been up for head coaching positions the last two years. And this was weird. The Washington Commanders brass are on a flight to Detroit to interview both coordinators of Detroit. But yes, the rumors were strong. They were really targeting Ben Johnson. They wanted Ben Johnson. While they are in the air, they find out that Ben Johnson's pulled his name from consideration. The amount of disrespect it takes to do that is enormous. I'm not in any way saying it's a bad thing to not take an interview. I do think it's a mistake if you don't take an interview, but it's not disrespectful. But to accept an interview, and I don't care whether somebody's coming across town or what, but if someone's coming to you for a high-level position, the amount of research they have put into you before that interview is huge. I mean, it's a big deal of preparation. I don't want to interview with you if you haven't prepared yourself for the interview with me. That's important to me. Or at least I'm going to say, hey, if I've got, now maybe I don't have any other opportunities, nobody wants me, but if I've got multiple opportunities, I'm not going to the place, I don't care how much money it is, well, Okay, there's going to be a tax, all right? There's a stupid tax or an unprepared tax, all right? So if I'm looking for a job that'll pay me a hundred grand, and you're offering me a job for a million, you can come in unprepared. It's all right. <laughs> it's okay. Now you're looking at paying me one twenty-five, one fifty, and I've got offers of a hundred, and you're unprepared. No, no. I'm going with a prepared guy because I believe the prepared company will put me in a position in years to come to make more money. That's why I'll take a less amount now. I look at this. Here's a prepared company coming to interview and Ben Johnson backs out. That is highly disrespectful. I don't think it ends his career, I, you know, because somebody else that's going to want him is going to want him. It's not going to matter. But I thought that was a, a big mistake. Now, having said that, I want you to listen to Adam Schefter. I'm explaining my opinion. Adam Schefter seems angry about it. So it is clear to me as a member of the media that the Washington commanders ripped Ben Johnson 
to Adam Schefter. There is so much passion in Adam Schefter's report here. It sounds so different than his normal reporting. It's almost like you pissed off a friend and I'm upset, Ben Johnson. He seems really strong in this opinion. And I think that matters because it clearly shows to me going deep into just this report from Adam Schefter. Dan Quinn wasn't remotely the number one choice for the Washington Commanders. Interesting situation was reported this weekend that about Ben Johnson and I think it was the commanders, whether he didn't interview well or he thought that or he didn't trust that the commander's front office and new ownership, they were basketball guys and not football guys. Is there any you got anything on that for us, Shefty? Yeah, uh, I, I think uh, Ben Johnson, obviously, is one of the top assistant coaches in the league. And the situation in the end didn't work out, I think, the way that a lot of people thought or hoped that it would. And again, Ben Johnson is entitled to do and stay wherever he wants. Um, he, he's more comfortable in Detroit being the offensive coordinator right now. that He just is. like um, you, you speak to other people that interviewed him as well, not just Washington, which didn't get the chance, uh, but he, he wasn't entirely comfortable you know, getting ready to make the transition to become a head coach. Where, where it becomes an issue, I think, is this. If you know that you're pulling out of that job and you're withdrawing your name from consideration, all good. No issues. There's a time to do it when the Washington ownership group is not in the air on the way to see you in Detroit. Now, people could say they're coming to see Aaron Glenn there, too, and that is 100% accurate and true. They were on the way to see Aaron Glenn and Ben Johnson. But if you're Ben Johnson, let's just think about this logically, okay? If you know that you don't want that job and you've committed to talking to these people who've spent weeks doing diligence on you and investigating the possibility of hiring you. Why would you not just sit down with them when your season's over? <laughs> Listen to them for two hours. Say, well, uh, Mr. Harris, Mr. Rails, very impressive. I want to wish you the best of luck. Good luck with everything. Thank you for coming to Detroit. Yeah, I'm very happy here. I'm going to stay, but I really appreciate You're that. You're going to love Aaron Glenn. You're going to love yeah, Aaron yeah. Glenn. Yeah, all that type of stuff. Yeah. Like, Oh, by the way, and I'll also tell you this, the commanders found out in midair at the same time that they were getting a text from an agent. So it wasn't like something that was done in advance or there was any warning. There were media reports. One person on the plane turned around and said, is this true? He's not interviewing with us anymore. <laughs> See my point? Schefter's fired up. And he's got to be fired up for somebody else on that. That tells you something. And that's why I think I look at the commander's brass and I'm already frustrated as a fan. If they would have targeted Dan Quinn from day one, interviewed people, decided quickly, Dan Quinn's our guy, got him in the first or second round of, of, of hirings, okay. You targeted your guy, he blew you away, you got the deal done, great. More power to you. But when I watch you handle it and you clearly are going after other people and not getting them, how in the world should I be excited about Dan Quinn? And then the first thing Dan Quinn does is hire Cliff Kingsbury. I am interested to see how that works only from this standpoint. 
if Cliff Kingsbury has a head coach that's screaming in his ear, run the football, run the football, run the football, maybe Cliff is going to be okay. Maybe he'll be good. He's a disaster as a play caller when he's the head coach. Without a filter, without somebody in his ear explaining you're screwing this thing up. Like, let me give you an example. There's a guy named Sean Kugler that I have a great amount of respect for. He was accused by Arizona Cardinals, in my opinion, of doing something with a waitress and being shipped away from Mexico City. I think that is the biggest crock of crap in Cardinals history to blame Sean Kugler. I totally believe it either didn't happen or it was somebody else. Some kind of complete frame job. Or I'll even go so far as to say somebody was paid off. I don't care about this wild accusation. Something weird happened. And I don't believe Sean Kugler did it. I don't know who's responsible. I'm not actually blaming one individual. I don't know. But let's say there's a guy that's so low, such scum of the earth, that he would ever say to somebody else, um, you know, get this guy drunk and I'll call the police so we can get him, you know, hit with a DUI. Hey, if you're if you're so messed up that you're allowing yourself to get the DUIs, you're at fault. But it's still a snake in the grass who would try to set you up. Are you with me? I'm not trying to get the guy off that has the DUI. You drank, you got behind the wheel. But what kind of snake would call the police or ask a friend to try to get him set up for the DUI? Okay, if there's somebody like that on this earth, then I would totally believe in a setup job, especially in another country. Now, as I throw this out there, I look at a guy like a Sean Coogler who clearly was not listened to on the Cliff Kingsbury staff. He was named run game coordinator and assistant head coach. He was supposed to be able to help control Cliff Kingsbury. And Cliff obviously completely and utterly dismissed him with how bad their running attack was and how stubborn he was. So maybe with a head coach above him, Cliff Kingsbury will not be like that. I think Cliff Kingsbury is going to be like an Art Howe in Moneyball. Hey, I, you know, I, I'm never going to get a job if I've got to play these people at first base, so I'm not going to do that, you know, you're, or unless you extend me of a contract. I have no idea if that was really what Art Howe was like, but man... <laughs> It was awesome the way he was portrayed at Moneyball. He was mad about that for years, and sadly, the guy died. And he's his family's still upset, still upset, just fired up, saying that was not him at all. But my point is, I still believe Cliff, Cliff is going to fall on his face. And when that's the first hiring you make, that's weird. It does feed into draft talk, though. It's a good conversation to have of will they actually trade with Izzy's Bears and try to get Caleb Williams. What will they give to the Bears? If the Bears aren't 100% jumping up and down sold on Caleb Williams, what a brilliant move it would be to trade down one spot. Draft anybody it is that you want and take a King's ransom from Washington in doing it. Just like you were so dumb to trade up for Mitch Trubisky, now you can finally exact your revenge on Washington. Now, if you like Caleb Williams, of course, you're going to ignore everything the Bears, excuse me, the uh, commanders say. But if you aren't standing on the table, this guy is a Super Bowl quarterback. I mean, I would want my GM, if I'm the owner, to say, this guy will win us a Super Bowl. I don't want it to be, we need a quarterback and I believe in him. 
I want you to look me in the eye and say, we are going to the Super Bowl if we draft Caleb Williams. And if you don't believe in it that strongly, let's trade down then. Let's trade down. Maybe I maybe we don't go to the Super Bowl. Maybe this guy gets us to the playoffs every year. Okay. We were still close. And maybe he is the best player in the draft. Okay. You can argue with me. And if I say, do you think he, well, I don't th- I, I'm not going to say that. I do think he's the best player in the draft. And as your general manager, this is the guy that I am recommending we draft. If you want to make the trade with Washington, then I want a contract extension because clearly I'm not in charge then. I would, I would play that card if I'm the GM. But if I'm the owner, I am challenging my GM like crazy with the Bears before we draft Caleb Williams number one. Because clearly with Cliff Kingsbury in Washington, coming from USC, they're going to want Caleb Williams number one. There's some football a breakdown, breakdown, breakdown. Hopefully I got time to get into some of the, uh, the game tonight with the Suns and Milwaukee. But more importantly, coming up next... It's time for Town Hall Tuesday. Your emails, Doug at DougFranzUnplugged.com. Your Twitter posts, uh, your your X at, at UnpluggedDoug. Your Instagram posts at DougFranzUnplugged. Reach out to me. We go through what's on your mind next on Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com. Rosati Sports Pub in Chandler. It's on Ray and McQueen. Sounds like a sports bar. What's the difference? You walk in and they actually have games on TV with the sound on. How many times do you walk into a supposed sports bar and they've got loud music on or somebody playing live or some kind of trivia game going on and you're there to watch the game? If you're like me, a simple guy, give me my pizza, give me my wings, give me my cold beer and make sure I can hear the Suns and D-backs, then you want Rosati Sports Pub and Chandler. All members of the Unplugged Army, welcome. Rosati Sports Pub, give me the game. Sorry, I just got punched in the face with massive amounts of failure in my show prep. And I just, this is one of those things that just makes me feel incredibly weak when I screw up this bad. And uh, I I can't believe, it's like twofold. I can't believe I was so ignorant. And then on the other hand, I still can't believe that this is actually true as... I'm scrolling through different stories, trying to figure things out, and I find out that Roger Goodell had his press conference yesterday. Terrible show prep. What was I doing? You know, watching a lot of old college basketball, getting ready for March Madness, and I wasn't focused, and, it, and, and that, is, that is a mistake. But uh, it seems to me, from what I'm reading, is that Roger Goodell had his press conference yesterday, and this shows you just how gutless this man is and how little he cares about you. I'm not trying to get you to stop loving fo- I love football. I hate the NFL. And it's for reasons like this. You might think this is no big deal, but Roger Goodell, at the beginning of time, the commissioner used to have a press conference the state of the game address every Friday before the Super Bowl. Then they moved it to Wednesday. Dumb, but okay, get over it. Yesterday, it was on a Monday. The reason why that's ridiculous is... As media gets smaller and smaller financially, they can't afford to be there on a Monday. 
or they're just arriving into town for Monday for the event of opening night on Monday. Plus, he scheduled the presser as an invite only because he didn't want people that would come in and ask hard questions. Wow. That shows you just how gutless the NFL is right now. That shows you how controlling the NFL is right now. Don't, don't challenge us. We're already on top. They don't want you to know how bad they screwed Terry McDonough. They don't want you to know how bad they screwed Sean Kugler. They don't want you to know how bad they screwed Jim Trotter. They don't want you to know how bad they've screwed the 49ers when it comes to field conditions. They don't want you to know they can hide this way, making sure they get softball members of the media. That's incredible. Oh, by the way, I didn't get my invite. (laughs) Shocking. It's now time for... Hear ye! Hear ye! Oh, yay! Oh, yay! It's time to call a town hall meeting. This is when you write me, you post, and then I take it, edit it down a little bit. We still don't have any videos, though. I would love for you to post a video question because I think it would be more engaging and more fun if we were doing that on a town hall Tuesday. All right, Izzy or Jeff, I don't know which one of you are reading it. What you got? Uh, We got Mr. Doug. I have an idea for your show. Put together an email list where listeners could sign up for your podcast to be dropped into their uh, inbox daily with a link to your podcast that would include the number of episodes and some of the topics. Mm. Plus, listeners could also easily share it as well. Uh, There would also be lots of other benefits, like links to all your sponsors and info on your upcoming events and appearances. This is from Dustin at Pebble Creek. Dustin, I think that's a fantastic idea. I can tell you something small. If you turn on your notifications from Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to the show, your notification will pop up on your phone and tell you, hey, it's live, it's ready to go. That's somewhat of a workaround of what you're suggesting. Obviously, I would also love you to become a WTSM hardcore member and be watching the show, but that's a great suggestion. I've never uh, done something like that, and I will look into it after the Super Bowl. Thanks, Dustin. Uh, On your point about publicized referee rankings in sports, I concede that kids and prospects face getting publicly ranked nationally. Those are only outside opinions. They don't determine an individual scholarship offers or draft position. Mm -hmm. However, internal performances rankings do lead to performance bonuses, playoff opportunities, promotions, demotions, and dismissals. If a ref doesn't like where they are ranked, they'll likely to file a grievance and build a case against those ranked above them who are, who are, excuse me, who they feel are inferior Talk about an HR, legal, and Mm. company morale nightmare. Mm. Mm. On Coyotes, relocation is really really only a threat if a city offers Alex Morello a sweet new arena deal or if he wants to sell. Salt Lake City and Houston have NBA ownership groups that want to own the team, not bring in a new tenant. Atlanta could be the one to watch out for as they just approved a new arena deal. This is coming from General Mike. Okay, a lot of good points there, General Mike. And then uh, after listening to Izzy read it that long, I realized, well, I could have edited that and made <laughs> Izzy's life a lot easier. So I, let me eat that one right there. Uh, number one, if you collectively bargain something, it's all on the table. Now, you're right, labor's, you just still you know, file grievances, there's still arguments, but you could actually have it set up that says, this is what we're doing. We are going to rank 
the referees, we're going to rank the umpires, we're going to publicize the rankings, and we'll now negotiate a bonus for where you are in the rankings. So you can sweeten the pot for them and you can actually set it up where they don't have a right to file a grievance about where they rank because it could be based on the amount of replay reviews that are overturned and it could be based on the amount of bull strikes that you miss, something like that. So then it's computerized. It's not up for debate. But yes, you're right. You would have to have the parameters collectively bargained. Your point about the Coyotes and relocation is a fantastic one. And let me double down on it. The NHL feels like they've got a monopoly on markets. So if you want to expand, like if Salt Lake wants an expansion team, they have to pay around, let's say, let's say the cost is $700 million to have a team. While if you bring in the Coyotes, the league loses out on expansion money. Now, they'll try to charge Alex Morello a relocation fee and say, hey, we just lost an expansion, potential expansion market because of you. Pay us. But those are, those are never as much as an expansion fee. So you're making a great point. And also, Gary Bettman doesn't want to eat it. This would be the greatest failure in the history of Gary Bettman if he can't keep the Coyotes here. Uh, Paul's call is the most missed part of your show from uh, Max Packer to 412. Uh, Max, even if you're right, thanks. I mean, I, I would like you to miss me from the old show a little bit. Maybe you mean unplugged misses Paul's call. And then I would agree to that. Uh, I, I, would, I would very much agree to that. What's next? How the heck does Paul Calvisi not have a show? No offense to Luke or Wolf, but that guy's wit, speed to pivot, humor, and sports takes are awesome. This is at Daily uh, Literally Films 1. Okay, number one, why are you telling me this? I I don't have anything to do with what the old station does. I have no power. Uh, Number two, Paul... Uh, I'm not going to get into the why, and the the only reason, it's nothing bad at all. It was Paul's decision, but there was a moment um, in December of 2020 where we were in the back room and Paul said, hey guys, can I talk to you? And it was just Wolf and me, and he let us know that he has made the decision to not continue on in morning radio. That was 100% Paul's decision. If you ever want to get to know Paul, you can ask Paul the why, but I'll just give you my opinion on it. It was for beautiful reasons, I thought. But Paul made that decision uh, totally on his own. So for him to have a show or not have a show would be up to him. I bet if he wanted to get back in the rat race, somebody would give him a show. Uh, You think that many quarterbacks will go in the first round. More so wishful thinking for Knicks, I guess. Cards need all kinds of positions filled, so I don't think it's something to force. This is coming from Farmer Braxton. Farmer Braxton, very solid opinion. Um, I I think there's going to be four first-round quarterbacks. Could be five. Um, I'm a little nervous. But I was very strong on Bo Nix until the Senior Bowl. At least he got better as the Senior Bowl went on. But I really care about Senior Bowl practices. Now, my whole point about Bo Nix was you draft him in the first round so you have the fifth-year option. That's a very important piece here. I'm not telling you he's first-round talent. That's a big difference. First-round talent is different than I want him in the first round because I'm just playing the collectively bargain game. I want that fifth-year option. However, I'm only doing it 
if I'm taking the Texans pick and I'm trading down to 31 or 32 and I'm getting a bunch of picks. So when you talk about don't force it, I totally agree. It's not worth it at all if I'm not getting multiple other picks. He's not worth I, – gosh, I have to look at the draft. I think they draft 26th. Maybe I'm wrong and it's 24th with the Houston Texans pick. But that's how I would run it. But I, I'm, I was standing on the table for this, and now I'm kind of like, you know what, let me do some more work because you should evaluate everything, and I need to find out why it was Bo looked so bad in day one but then obviously got better. The man, Jeff Weir Production, <laughs> and then oh, separately uh, is unplugged at whirlwind.com ready. This is coming from a hater, General Stavo. <laughs> a hater? Why is General Stavo a hater? No, I, we, we mess around a lot. Oh, I, I okay, like General okay, Stavo. Okay. That's good. Uh, the, the first part of that, the man, Jeff Weir Production, that was a separate tweet in which he was all jacked up that Jeff Weir Production was at Burrito Express. If you want to know what it means to be a general, General Stavo lives on the far west side had a dentist appointment in Buckeye and drove from the west side to Tempe, went to Kyrene and Elliott to the new Burrito Express, then went back to his dental appointment. Now, the one takeaway for me is that he cares about the show that much. Thank you for General Savo. I think the one big takeaway for all of you is... Who eats a burrito before a dental appointment? Man, that poor hygienist. That had to be a terrible experience. Uh, now, the second one is unplugged at whirlwind.com ready. I have not checked. I'm going to assume the answer is no. However, I'm meeting with Sweet Lou tomorrow to make sure it gets done because I'm getting nervous. I admit to you, I'm getting nervous. But he was playing with actual people from the Tony Finau family the other day. He's been a little busy playing with PGA golfers. So I got to give him a little bit of a pass. All right, what's next? My sister-in-law is getting married in the Caribbean, and we can't afford to go. My wife is furious with me. What would you do? <laughs> this is coming from Chris T. Uh, Chris T. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know this is weird. It's, it's, it's a guy named Chris. His last name is T. But, I, but if you say it fast, it's, it's coming oh, from Chris T. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're right. Uh, so, Chris, here's my opinion on that. As a guy that's been married for an awfully, awfully long time, um, number one, if you can't afford to go, then you're stuck. I, I, I want to admit that. Try to have a conversation with your wife about the fact that this is not a good idea. Really, I mean, really have that conversation. Then, if it's not getting anywhere, then you've got to tell her, strong as can be, then I support you going. But I don't, I, I, I got to put my foot down and say, this isn't right for me to go or for the family to go. Just you go and represent the family. And then I would also negotiate, this is a negotiation, really. I would make a, a, a deal with your wife on how are we going to cut costs when you get back? How are we going to save for the trip before you go? And how are we going to cut costs before you get back? If she's not willing to have a good financial conversation, you probably have some deeper issues. I'm just trying to be blunt that you need to work through to earn the trust with each other. So this conversation goes better. I'm not trying to sugarcoat. This one's hard. I mean, this is like a real battle, and I and I understand your pain. What's next? Oh, wait, let me ask you, Izzy. As a guy with a girlfriend that's unmarried, how do you think I, I answered that? Did that? Does that scare the crap out of you when you hear a story like that? 
Oh no, I, I would already have it set in stone. We ain't going. Nah, <laughs> we, we have it set in stone. We're not even trying it. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Well, what's next? A petition for Burrito Express on the West Side. This is coming from Rich Murray of the Football uh, Football Organic Football Podcast. Okay, uh, number one, you're exactly right. And it's funny, I was talking to Angel about this exact same thing, and he goes, you know what, there might be some things in the works. I got all jacked up, and then to him, West Side was west of Central. Listen to all you Yahoo Eastsiders, okay? The West Side is not east of Central, all right? It's not, e- it's not west of 7th Avenue. Okay, the West Side really doesn't start until the 101. Now, for everybody that lives on, you know, 75th Avenue, I realize you're yelling and screaming, what are you talking about? But yes, West Side is West Side. Come on. We keep moving out there. Now, the other thing I have to laugh at, Rich, I I didn't know that was you until I clicked on your Twitter account and I saw your avatar with you in that sport coat leaning over like you're some kind of model. Or What is this, Rich? Who are you paying to take these photo shoots? Members of the Unplugged Army, here's a rule. To be in the Unplugged Army, there can be no pictures of you not looking at the camera unless it's a total shock job, okay? If it's totally something out of the blue, you don't know the camera's being taken, okay. But if there's ever a professional picture of you doing the look away, you are not in the Unplugged Army. No matter what that person with the camera says, okay, now look up at your bride. No, I'm not looking up at my bride. Take that picture. All right, thank you. Uh, last one. I, I, I know you love bells, but hate country music, but did you at least like Toby Keith? This is coming from uh, General Jack in Mesa. Okay, first of all, General Jack, I don't know. I have any idea who you are. You can't gloss yourself general if you've never been to an event. Well, who are you? You're, I mean, General Jack. What do you mean, General Jack? Okay, God bless you. Thanks for listening, but you, you're not a general. Sorry, I'm the commander in chief. Drop the hammer. Uh, number two, I, well, I respect Toby Keith, I guess. God bless him. I'm sorry to his family. For those of you that don't know, he died last night. So I love the question, General Jack. But you know, if, if, if I hate chocolate ice cream, I don't care if it's the greatest chocolate ice cream of all time. I don't like it. I, I don't like country music. Okay, now we could argue about certain songs like I like Southern. I like Leonard Skinner and somebody might try to say that's country. I like the Eagles and some of their stuff sounds like country, but that's totally different. Uh, I don't like country. God bless Toby Keith. I don't like the music. No, I don't. I respect him, though. There's a Town Hall Tuesday. Feel free to jump in every single week. I go back through Twitter for the week, your emails, and we use it for Town Hall Tuesday. Uh, every weekday morning at 8 o'clock, it's time for the main event. But let's stick Steve McCollum with that, that, that question from Chris. Steve, your sister-in-law is getting married in the Caribbean and you can't afford to go. Your wife is furious. What would you do? How do you have that conversation? Work your ass and go get some work done. <laughs> <laughs> oh hey Doug uh, who, was, who was that that just answered that was uh, weird I don't know who that was so uh, it sounded so, somebody it, was on the microphone then just ran off it, it sounds like your phone is ringing actually yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have a friend calling right now that would, you just simply don't go you say, I'm sorry, like to have go. a little bit of a uh, of a conversation Pe- people that have destination weddings uh, are ridiculous if you expect people to show up uh, you know it's uh, even if you have the money I don't want to go the maybe I don't want to go to the Caribbean yeah, to yeah. watch you get married 
So you're going to get married, and then what? You're going to leave. Where are you having your honeymoon at if your wedding's in the Caribbean, by the way? Yeah, you're a honeymoon spot? I've never understood the destination weddings for this purpose. <laughs> I don't want you at my honeymoon. Well, that's my point. So, and then, and then on top of that, you shouldn't be getting married anyway. That's a word. That's the worst thing you could <laughs> possibly do that? as a guy. Why are you doing that? And then you go to the Caribbean on top of it. You don't take sand to the beach. What in the world is wrong with your whoever who has it sister law? What is wrong with them? You need to have get them in therapy. You need to wake them up. You need to get them the help they need. <laughs> Let me give you. I'm so in trouble this morning. I might as well just keep digging in. Let me give you one very good reason. Now I don't know if you'll be able to see it with a monitor here, so you'll have to look at your television. Here is one great reason. That look weird. To get married. Okay, okay. right here. No. There. Dude, look at me, man. I'm not married. Look at me. Yeah, but never been married. You you handle being bald well. Yeah, well I don't. So for those of you listening to the podcast right now, I took my hat off, which is a clear cut <laughs> sign where I cashed in my chips. I knew, listen, things aren't going well physically here. Let's cash in now. Yeah, I got to get her now. I got to get her now. Because if if I think there's going to be a day where some other woman's going to be attracted to me, I'm dreaming. Let's cash in now before she finds out that I'm going to get ugly. You know what? God bless bless people. I'm going to try to phrase this politely. But God bless the people that uh, are lacking in a lot of things in life because they find somebody to attach themselves to out there. So there's somebody for everybody. You just got to find it. Yes. Yeah. I do believe that. Yeah. I do uh, totally believe that. How are you? Some, How is there, there's something I'm walking around and I'm like, really? Like, yeah. That dude. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, I just ripped myself, but I deserved it for not paying attention to know that the commissioner had a press conference yesterday. But well, I, why would you know? Because uh, they hit it. Yes. One, and, and then on top of it, not only did they hide it, they moved it to Monday. So yes. most of the journal media is not even there yet. And then there's invited guests only. Isn't that amazing? And it's, uh, it, doesn't that tell you where the NFL is going? They don't want to answer your questions yeah. and they want to hide behind uh, the fallacy of bad refereeing and yes. all of that stuff and the bad ownership that's going yes. on. That is why they are hiding that, that press conference from you. I watched it. I paid attention to it. Nothing but bull crap from the wow. commissioner yesterday. Wow. It is obvious the NFL thinks you are a joke as a fan. There, I've never seen more lack of accountability, yes. really, since Disgust, Watergate. Disgusting. I mean, it's disgusting. Just, Roger, get, I mean, the NFL might as well just become like, uh, you know, president of the United States. It's yeah. that, I mean, it's just, it's that unaccountable. Uh, how do you feel about politics, you know? Yeah. Politicians genuinely get away with stuff that other people don't. And that's all I'm getting to on that. And Roger Goodell's at that point. And it's not just Goodell. He works for the owners. You're the right. owners are telling him. You get to hide a lot of the stuff we're doing. So what's going on behind the scenes that we need to do yesterday? Yeah, it was a jo- it was exactly. A jo- yeah. And uh, and then there was a, a an amazing thing. You know, I think you know the story, but Jim Trotter, fi- yeah. in a sense, fired. They said, we're not going to renew your contract yeah. because he kept asking very difficult you, questions to answer about you, NFL media. Really quick. Do you yeah. really think that he was fired for that reason? Okay. Oh. Uh, I'm going to phrase it this way. Okay. Um, He's Jim Trout is difficult to deal with. Yes, I've and heard that. It's not the questions that was coming that they didn't like necessarily. Because Roger Goodell answers them. I know where you're mm-hmm. going with your thing. So I <laughs> want to interrupt there and say, so the narrative that he got fired because he asked those questions to me is just lazy reporting. Uh, he's a difficult guy to deal with. But anyway. I, I think that part might be true. Or I shouldn't say might be. I, I've heard people say the same things. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's they don't want hard questions coming from NFL media. 
So since he was hired by NFL media, I totally believe that that is 100% true, that he asked the question one year. I bet they told him, we don't want those yes. types of questions coming from people that we're paying for. Yes. And then he did it again. That's what I'm getting at. But, uh, it's not the questions. It's the... When you work for an organization, okay, Diamondback, yes. Diamondbacks uh, people can't go after players and ownership yes, and stuff. Yes, yes, uh, That's what I'm trying to say. You said it better I think than that's I did. Fair. I think uh, that's very it, fair. It's not the question. It was that he was probably told not to ask the question, and he did it again, yes. which is insubordination to your boss. You get fired for that. Yes, that is 100% true. That's what I'm getting But at. I admit, I totally respect, now granted, this is me being media, I totally respect a guy who asks a question knowing there's massive... Ra- oh, no! Yeah, hold on a second. I want you to finish that thought. I got run over there. I deserve that. I will be paying attention. Good conversation. Finish that, finish that thought um, real quick. I, I totally respect the guy who knows there's massive amounts of ramifications and feels like yes. this has to be asked. I'm going to stand up and do it anyway. Well, 100%, knowing that your job's going to be on the line, you got to respect that side of it. Absolutely. And then yesterday, that, that new guy, not part of NFL media... Asked the question, and he got the same BS yeah, response exactly. from Roger Goodell. So. Roger acted all offended by it and said, look at all these. But Roger gave numbers that were based on NFL office staff yeah. and nothing from NFL media, which was the question. Yeah. And journalists, journalists is supposed, like local, like Channel 12 is supposed to represent Phoenix, right? Yes, yes. Uh, the, the population, everything. So NFL should represent that. It's not a hard question to answer. Exactly. Why aren't you hiring those guys? Uh, you know, you don't need a, you don't need everybody to be, you know, to that side. But why are you not hiring one, yep. two, three of them? It's an easy question to answer if you're not hiding something and don't want to hire. I'm, I'm totally with you. Great conversation. Yep. What's coming up on the main event? Uh, look, uh, some of that, I, I, it was such a benign thing. I'm going to kind of rip them a little bit. Like I always. hope so. Yes. Uh, you know, and then, uh, man, the NBA All Star floor. Can we go back to the in season, uh, in season tournament floors? We're going to talk about that coming oh, up. Oh, that's huge. What that's is huge. going on? And then Clay Thompson, man, something weird is going on yeah. with him. Yeah. Uh, we're going to delve into that a little bit. Plus a lot more. Let's get into it. Yeah, you it. got a packed show. Okay. Yeah. Main event: Dale Hellestray and Steve McCollum coming up right after Doug Franz unplugged uh, just to have a, a little bit of a harder tease for what Steve is talking about because I didn't get a chance to get to it the not for the actual all-star game the all-star game is where the Pacers play but the all-star Saturday night is going to be held at Lucas Oil Stadium and wait till you hear Steve describe the floor I'm scared to death someday they're actually gonna think of trying to play on a floor like that uh, hello it's glass 300 pound men falling on it just an opinion. Uh, he'll tell you more about it coming up. Uh, versus Vegas today, I uh, only found one game I liked yesterday. And therefore, you, you just got to get it. You know, you got to get that one right. There's nothing else to cover for you. And the Avalanche have the lead one to nothing. I told you I liked Rangers on the money line, and it felt like the, the Lanch were winning the whole game. I was like, oh, why did I make a pick? Well, it's not like I sit and watch Rangers hockey all the time. I looked at some analytics. I have my feelings about the All-Star game. I felt like the Rangers would be better prepared, and they're losing one nothing all the time. All It felt like the whole game. And then... Just under nine minutes to go. Face-off win by Zibanejad. Panarin on the line with Zibanejad and Kreider. The, we get the tying goal. All right, great. Got the tying goal. Eight minutes left. 
They don't score. Okay, okay. You go to overtime, and remember, I'm on the money line. It's either Rangers or nothing. And I'm actually hoping for a shootout, because I think the Rangers would win in the shootout. And what do I get in the overtime? Looking to lead Colton. There goes Quick. And he got it through Lafreniere. Now to Zibanejad. Drops it off Lafreniere. Cuts in. Shoots. Now, Izzy, I want to throw you a curveball. I want you to play that goal again. But this time, as everybody's watching the goal, I want you to focus on something. Remember the old um, goalie for the Kings? That's Quick, the, Jonathan Quick that's in goal. And you talk about going from, no, no, no. I started screaming, thinking I'm totally screwed because it feels like Quick is about ready to get an assist on an own goal. And then it sets it up. Oh, no, no. Quick. So next time I start whining because I lose a game that I think I should have won, remember that game that I not only have down one to nothing through most of the game, Get the tie goal at the, about the uh, 8.50 mark. Well, you know, obviously in hockey in reverse, so at about the 11.10 mark or so of the third. And then almost get an own goal in a sense or an assist in giving up a goal. By the way, in hockey, we don't say own goal, but I'm a soccer guy. And it turns around into a goal. So I get my one game right yesterday. I go to 11-0 and or 11, wait a minute, 1,101 and uh, at 963 and nine is the overall record. Still below the 53%, but had a great February, a great January in which we were up by almost 20 units, and now we're up five units in only five days of February. So looking pretty good. Today, I didn't like anything uh, hockey-wise at all, and I, I there's one there's one back-to-back. The problem is both teams are on a back-to-back. Brooklyn uh, played at home against Golden State, and now they play at home against Dallas. And for Dallas, they only came up from Philly. I have a hard time trusting Brooklyn right now, so I'm not touching the one back-to-back that I like. However, I I hated all the hockey, but I love some college basketball. Uh, I'm going to take Ole Miss plus the four and a half today. The reason why I'm going with Ole Miss is South Carolina has been on an absolute roll. They've got some massive upsets this year. And once a team first moves into the national feeling, they usually struggle a little bit with the pressure. And Ole Miss is much better than people realize. Now, I'm not taking an upset. If Ole Miss wins, I'm going to miss out on some good juice. I'm going to take Ole Miss plus the four and a half. I think they're going to be able to keep it close enough that that I get within that window. And then I like Dayton on the money line. I think Vegas messed this one up. Dayton's favored by two, but the juice isn't hard enough to get me to back off of Dayton on the money line. Granted, they're a road favorite, and within the confines of the Atlantic 10, St. Joseph's is a hard place to play. Now, obviously, if you're dropping Duke, North Carolina, some legendary program there, it's not that hard. But, I mean, within the confines of the A-10, St. Joe's has a good home court advantage. But I like Dayton uh, on the money line, so I got two college basketball games for you today. That does it for today's version of Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Don't forget, February 23rd, we will be out there at Wild Horse Pass. I'd love to have you start playing golf with me. 
I'm going to be out there at about 10.30 for breakfast, noon for the first tea time. I'd love to see you if you could make it. If you want, stop by breakfast, get your best breakfast burrito today at Burrito Express or go to Bell's Nashville Kitchen for the best sandwich in the entire state of Arizona, the Nashville Hot Chicken Sandwich. And anything going on with your air conditioning was 70 degrees, 78 degrees yesterday at one point. It's only going to get into the 50s the rest of the week. Call Parker and Sons Heating, Cooling, Plumbing, and Electric. The main event is up next. I'll see you tomorrow.